0: We're in a series called Temple and Table. And I want to speak about that today uh, in a little bit. Uh, but the, the second half of the message, and maybe the better half of the message, is actually next week. Uh, so you'll have to dial in onto YouTube to find that uh, next week to, to discuss with your fellow table friends. Um, but the heart for today's message really... Birthed out of something that I read, um, just one line. And this person said, Because I love Jesus so much, I had to. And I was, I was, I was, I just stopped when I was reading. And I don't even remember where I was reading it. Because I love Jesus so much, I had to. And and, and it brought me back to this place of um, choosing to die to the flesh in order to live in the spirit. In, in, in order to embrace the life of Jesus, we have to let go of the old. We actually have to have the motivation to live the life that He's prepared for us. And sometimes, I wonder if, if um, in my circumstances, in my life, I actually wonder sometimes if Jesus is Lord, or whether He's my assistant. And and I, I, I find a challenge in that for me personally, and I share that to be accountable uh, publicly because I don't want to live a life where Jesus is my assistant. And I feel like this year um, we're stepping into a year where we individually and corporately are going to experience a new level of encounters with Jesus as our Lord and our Saviour. And by encounter, I mean a radical life-changing confrontation with Jesus face-to-face, perhaps not in the physical, but certainly in the spiritual. I feel that we're coming into a place where God is going to take the church from glory to glory. There is more that he has for us and a life that we haven't yet apprehended. And I'm desperate for it. I'm hungry for it. And I'm willing to do whatever it takes to see us experience that. A year of encountering God in fresh ways. That we would say, because I love Jesus so much... I will say yes, or in some cases, perhaps no. And I, I, hope, I, I hope I unpack what's in my heart this morning, but I, most importantly, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit would open your eyes to see something that he's prepared for you, whether it's a phrase I share, whether it's a scripture I refer to, or it's a, something that he just often drops into your spirit when you're in this place. So, our anchor scripture for this is 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6 says this For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. God brings light and knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. May we have encounters with him face to face, where our countenances change, where our lives are no longer the same, where in fact um, we are radically different because of the work Jesus has done in our lives. The title for today's message and next week's message is really the answer to the title, is, is Let's Light the Lamp. Let's Light the Lamp, meaning the lamp that is the light of Christ. And as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about lights. And next week I'll I'll unpack some of the study that I've been doing around the model God's given us to be his light in partnership with him. But then I was thinking, well, what are the other kind of lights, not the one I'll talk about next week? And then I'm thinking, I'm looking around my house and I'm just seeing this simple bayonet bulb in the middle of the room that you push and turn, and it clicks, and then you flick the switch, and the light comes on. Probably the most simple form of light that we could have, but effective. It's really practical, and it's easy to connect with. Maybe that's the kind of light that you have in your life. And then I was thinking back to uh, um, the last house that we owned, and um, we we got uh, our electrician around, and we put a trendy light in above the dining room table and it had those funny new light bulbs, the trendy ones, the in, I think called incandescent bulbs. The, they've got the warm brown light, and they're real trendy, but they're very dim. And I thought to myself, I wonder if that's the kind of light that you give off. Trendy but dim. The rest of the house, we, we, we got the electrician to put in LED lights, those countersunk LED lights that go on the ceiling, and they're awesome. And they're really, they're really efficient light, and, 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 and they're bright. And, and I wonder if you're kind of efficient in the way that you share your light to those around you in the darkness. In one place in our house, we have a frosted light bulb. I don't know why, um, but we have a frosted bulb. And, and a frosted bulb gives off life, but it's light, but it's hiding what's inside of it. It's shielded. Um, Or or you stand in the bathroom, I don't know if your bathroom has a heat lamp in it, and if if I stand directly under the heat lamp, it feels like I'm getting sunburnt on my head. Really bright, abrasive, effective light. Or maybe your life is like one of these fluorescent tubes that we have in commercial buildings that you're so, so bright we have to keep you away from people so you don't blind them. Maybe you're so bright that your light shines Or the last one I've got on my list is a torchlight, the light that only comes out in emergencies. I don't know. Just an interesting way to look at what kind of light we have in the context of the title of the message, which says, let's light the lamp. And next week I'm going to talk to you about what kind of lamp we might like to light. Today I want to talk about light in the context of our lives of faith. And I want to go to the, the verse 2 Corinthians Chapter 4, verse 6. And this week, I also took some time to read it in the Amplified, which I really like. It, As I often say, it's the female translation because it's got way more words in it, um, but it also explains things better for those of us that are simple. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6 says... It's, it's missing. Oh, no, there it is. For God who said... Let light shine out of darkness is the one who has shone in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory and majesty of God clearly revealed in the face of Christ. I want to take just a couple of minutes just to unpack this verse before I find you a parallel uh, that goes with it. What I would note by reading this one simple verse is I like to break it down into words and phrases to try and get some meaning out of it. It's God who says, let, let us, let, let's understand something very, very clear, that when we're talking about lighting our lamp, everything originates in God. We have disciplines in our lives. That's why I've, I've built this devotion series for you. Seven disciplines that will help you stay strong in 2022. Seven things that will help you keep connected with Jesus and others in faith. But let us not mistake that while we need to have discipline, everything originates in God. His light shines in our life. It's God who said, and the writer Paul quotes the creation story. He's referencing God as the originator of life, and he quotes Genesis chapter 1. He says, God said, let the line shine out of the darkness. The creator of all things has stooped down into your life and said, I want to shine my light in your heart, it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter where you are, it doesn't matter what your life has been before today, God would say to you, I want to shine my light in your heart afresh. I want to bring a fresh revelation of who Jesus is, which we'll see in this verse, but I want to do that personally for you. And I want that message to be out everywhere so that anyone who's listening to this message would know they are not discredited from receiving the light that God has for them. It doesn't matter your walk and your deviation and your mountain and your valley. It does not matter. God says, I will shine light into your darkness. It's God that's shone this light into our our hearts. He wants to change us from the inside out. Yes, disciplines are important because they help us master the flesh. But unless we surrender the spirit, then we're merely practicing on the outside, but on the inside, we're unclean. Everything originates in God. He is the one that wants to shine into your life individually, but he wants to do it from the inside out. Let us have a transformation from the inside out at the beginning of the year, that his light would shine in our hearts. And then the Amplified says this, it gives us the light, and I pause there because light is capitalized. And in Scripture translations, when words are capitalized, it's referencing God. And so God is saying, I'm going to give you Jesus, who is the light of the world. Jesus himself is quoted as saying, I am the light of the world, and those who walk with me will no longer walk in darkness. So that's a great message for any one of your friends that's feeling confused, that doesn't know which way to go, that's got major decisions to make, and they're torn up in tension. It's Jan's testimony about facing fear, and that she said, I turned and chose something different, and God was the one that did that that light would come into our lives if we would only find the light with a capital L, which is God himself seen through Jesus Christ. So God shines in our hearts individually to give us Jesus, the light, but it comes with this. Look, knowledge of the glory. Knowledge, what does knowledge mean? Knowledge means experiential knowledge, not just head knowledge. Knowledge means having a testimony of the light operating in your life. Knowledge means you've got something going on, like Andrea was just talking about, where she's challenged herself, or Raymond's testimony, when that little voice said, what? You've got no testimony to tell? No, knowledge is an experience that you can share. Because you might not sit with someone under a tree to share some time, and you might, but you might not share Scripture, but you might share a testimony. You might just say, look, this is, this, is what, this is how I've experienced God in the last week. He's showing me different ways I can, I can enjoy life with, within restrictions, but what's in God's other hand for me has been amazing, and I want to give him credit for showing me those things. Knowledge is being able to tell of what God has done in your life, not just head knowledge. Very, very few people ever have their lives transformed with the gospel by head knowledge. And then we get knowledge or experience of the glory and majesty of God. Come on, what I said to you at the beginning, we're going from glory to glory. This is a year where I believe the church needs to have, wants to have greater encounters with God himself. The person of God, who's Jesus Christ. Radically different that we would have testimonies. That we would would have our lives changed. So the scripture that I read at the beginning, Psalm 126. They said among the nations, God has been good to them that the town would see our lives and the glory and the majesty of God operating in our lives and they would look and go, God has been good to them. That's what we want in this town, that we suddenly become the light. God shines light in us. We reflect the glory and majesty and others get blessed by that light. The glory and the majesty of God revealed in the face of Christ. That phrase that challenged me, because I love him, Ramah's testimony, Jesus is awesome, he's amazing in my life, that that would become the experience that we share. Let's light the lamp, let's have his light in us. And Jesus himself, if you want to turn to the Sermon on the Mount, which is found in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus himself pointed to it. I found this a parallel to this verse as I was spending time reading it. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, just verse 14 and 15, just two verses. Let's have a look at them. Jesus says to you and to me, "'You are the light of the world, "'a city that is set on a hill and cannot be hidden. "'Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket.'" But on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. so I wanted to wanted to perhaps talk a little bit more and, and maybe get some ideas on on, on what, what, what does it look like to worship In the temple, we have temple and we have table. I explained to you before that temples are corporate gatherings where we come together in a building like this and we celebrate together. This is what I call corporate or larger style worship, and we have the table, more intimate. And and I want you to want you to understand that we're not trying to forsake the gatherings like this; they're life giving. We're designed to need each other, and therefore we're designed to want to come together. Isolation is actually not God's design for you. And if ever you feel yourself slipping into a place of isolation, you can be sure the devil is trying to divide and conquer. Isolation is a weapon the enemy uses to keep you from the help that God's got for you. Because isolation leads to disconnection, and disconnection breaks the flow of life in your life. So temple's vital. As I was thinking about this, I was thinking about the, the Jewish practices that they had um, in, the, in the Scriptures. They had festivals and feasts where they came together in one place. So if you study the, the, the Jewish traditions uh, which birthed out of um, Moses' encounter with God on the mountaintop at Mount Sinai, then you'll know that there are seven feasts in their calendar. And the tribes of Israel, there are 12, who live all over the land of Israel and Judah and north and south and east and west, and they live happily. And they gather together in their tribes and they gather together in the synagogues. Seven times a year, God says, you shall come to Mount Zion and you shall celebrate God's goodness and remember God together. And so they would have you know, let's just say the Feast of the Passover. And so they would, they would travel for days, some of them. And the Songs of Ascent in Psalms 120 onwards, they're songs they used to sing as they traveled with their families. And they would remember and they would sing the songs and they would speak of their history with God as they, as they were jubilant in expectation of coming to Jerusalem to have a feast of celebration and remember God in their lives. To me, those feasts mirror why we would come together like this. I'm not saying we're just doing it seven times. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that's the picture that we've got of this this need we have to come together as one and lift up God in our midst and glorify him. Why would we do that? Well, Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14 says it this way. He says, Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. And so the, the, if, you're a, if, you're a, if you're a New Testament um, attendee of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, if you're sitting on the side of the hill, Jesus is using this language and you're getting word pictures in your head the movie that's playing in the head of the person who's listening to that sermon is they're thinking, yeah, when you travel in the darkness, you can see the city on the hill, because all the lights shine together and they shine bright. And if you're traveling in the darkness and you're worried about your safety because robbers or bandits could come out from behind a rock and beat you and steal everything and leave you for dead, if you're looking for a safe place in a time of darkness, you will go to the city with the lights on. Is this not a beautiful picture of the church together? That your light shines bright and your light shines bright and your light shines bright, yours yours and yours and yours and yours and yours and yours and yours. and together we shine like a city on a hill. We become a place where people can look to in dark times for safety, for solitude, for protection, for provision. That the attack that might come in the darkness, and it does come, they can find a safe place from that attack. This is the picture of why we need to be the temple gathering, why we come together, why it's important for us collectively to be unified with Christ's light shining in us, and out of us. You know, the church doesn't have a wholly pure reputation in this town, but sometimes I hear stories like, oh, you're that church where God does amazing things. Oh, you're that church that likes to help the community. Oh, you're that church that was working with our, do- our granddaughter in a primary school. The light that shines in the darkness, a place of safety for those who are struggling. It's not exclusive to the church organization. That's why Loving Arms testimonies are awesome. Prayerfully supporting those in need. So we've got to come together around this temple gathering to celebrate. But The problem that we've always had around these temple gatherings is that old mate does all the work and you come and watch what I do. And, and like, okay, we might have a team, we might have a band on stage next time that does worship, or we've got the guys at the back that make me look good and sound good, and as good as they can. But there's not a lot of engagement in this message. And Chris says it the best. He goes, you know, we sit in church and we spend 90 minutes looking at the back of the head of the person in front of us. And, and there's times for it, but if that's all you've got, as a church experience and a faith experience, you're going to limit your growth. So we have to supplement that with something that draws you in to participate in your own personal spiritual growth. Temple is awesome. City on a hill should not be hidden. Its light should shine into the darkness for those that need the light for safety, for provision, for protection, for salvation. But we've got to supplement that with the table, and look, Jesus talks about it in Matthew chapter five and verse fifteen. Nor do you light a lamp. Let's light the lamp. Do not light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in your house. I changed it. All who are in the house, all who are sitting around your table. You don't light a lamp and then hide it, you light a light that it blesses those that are with you together. Why the table? Why are we going on about these table gatherings? It's a more intimate space. It's a space where relationships can grow. It's a space where, um, you know, Phil was talking about, he's going to share something soon. It's about where we can minister to each other out of the gifts that we have. Because God gives gifts to everybody for the edification or the strengthening or the betterment of the collective. And it's really difficult to have that happen in this room with 50 or 100 or what if we're a church of 500? It's just almost impossible to do. But if we're around a table with eight others, We have a meal together. We're blessed by the food, the fellowship. We pray because we want Jesus to be in the midst of us. But then we can bless one another with what we might contribute, which could be a testimony like we shared earlier. It could be a psalm that has spoken to you during your weekly Bible readings. It could be a prayer that you want to offer. It could be A blessing or a prophetic message that you feel God has given you. It might even be a song if you're talented, or even if you're not talented, it could still be a song. But don't light the lamp and then hide it. Because it's it's given to you as the light, so that it would give light to all that are in the house. My dream for this phase we're going through with God's shifting paradigms where he's saying, look, I'm doing a new thing. Can you not perceive it? But if you search for me and you seek for me, I will show you unspeakable things that you have not yet seen, that we'd grasp this paradigm that we are the church, which means we're supposed to contribute one to each other, that we're to minister to each other. And that doesn't look like standing up here and preaching. It looks like being the light in someone else's life about taking them a meal or doing some cleaning or praying with someone that's discouraged. So what I would say about being a light, whichever light bulb you fit into, is just don't be dull. Find a way to tend to your lamp, and I want to speak to that specifically next week's message, which will be on YouTube. Um, You can gather and watch it with a friend. You can listen to it in your earbuds, whatever you choose to do. But I want to speak about the tending to the lamp. But I want to finish with just a contrast uh, to just give you one of the reasons why uh, we're distinguishing between temple and table. And then we are going to come to the Lord's table, and we're going to share communion together, and we're going to have a time of worship. We're going to sing that new song again. And we're going to have a time where we can encounter the presence of God together. One of the things that um, I feel like I've kind of missed in the last two years, and I'm taking responsibility for it, because for those of you that have been around a while, you know we've been through a a, a challenging season as a church and lots of change. Um, But one of the the things that I felt like, I'm going to own it, I'm going to say I've forsaken, is creating encounter space that we make room for the Holy Spirit to do what he wants to do in these gatherings. And, and, and it's not that it's exclusively here, but it's one of the things that we're well known for is having a space where people encounter Jesus or the Spirit of Jesus while we're together. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be searching God's heart for new ways that he wants us to do that when we are together. And I'm trusting that he's going to lead that. But there's a different phrase that um, um, my supervisor shared with me this week that kind of opened my eyes to see a a better benefit than just having an encounter space. And, And he called it a sacred space. But in the context of my conversation with my supervisor, he talked about a sacred space being a space of intimacy between two people that has been shaped by the presence of the third person, which is the Spirit of Christ. And so more than me wanting encounter and glory in this room, more than that is my desire that you would find a place this year with one or two others where you can have what we're calling a sacred space. I've found some of the most significant friendships I have in my life are those where we've had an encounter with Jesus together. And usually it's happened because one of us has just gone, Flip, I need help. I'm not connected to God or I've got this problem or my wife's beating me again. Can you pray with me? It's a joke. <laughs> oh, it's on YouTube now. But, but the, the, the sacred space comes as the fruit of the encounter we have with Jesus together. And I desperately want that for all of us. And, and you may have that going on. But if you're used to church being 10 o'clock on Sunday in this building, then it's highly likely you're not enjoying that sacred space. And I, I, my prayer for this church as we move forward is that we would find a sacred space with others where we we share a meal. That's awesome. Where we have some fun. That's awesome. We've got family all around us. That's awesome. Jesus is in the midst and Jesus is doing his deep work in our lives. The the transformation inside of us that he desperately wants for all of us, that his light would shine and reveal the majesty and the glory of who Christ is and all that he's done for us and others. And when we share that with someone else and we bring our light we create a sacred space. And the fruit of that is intimacy. The fruit of that is trust. The fruit of that is strength. The fruit of that is personal growth. Because you could be someone who's sitting there right now going, well, I'd freak out if someone asked me for prayer. Well, I, I'm kind of guessing this year that God's going to put you in a space where you're going to freak out. And we're going to, me included, we're all going to have to trust Him more that he would turn up and be awesome and you just become the vehicle. It's almost like you be the candle holder and he be the light. That others would be blessed through you being willing to say yes to Jesus because you love him regardless of how it feels. And that in that we create a sacred space and be the light to others that we wouldn't hide our light but we'd be blessing others as we become their light. And and please don't hear this as criticism because I see it already happening. I'm just trying to call it out for what it is. I mean, you know, um, someone volunteering the other day to go and pick Joan up. That's awesome. Thank you for doing that. That's being the light of Christ. Blessing the Arthurs with meals when Teresa's in hospital day after day after day, again and again. That's awesome. It's already happening. Coming down and pruning the roses in the church gardens or cleaning up the rubbish. That's awesome. Mowing the lawns for how many years? I don't know. That's awesome. But when someone does come to you and say, man, I'm, I'm needing help, that you'd go, yep, I'm willing. I don't know how, but I'm willing. Jesus be with us and Jesus help us. Because it's all about Jesus. If without him, we wouldn't be able to do this. And, and, and this is why we take communion when we can together. And I encourage you to do this at the table in your house. You can have crackers and Ribena as emblems that represent Jesus Christ and his body and his blood. Simon's worshipping, and it's awesome. The purity of worship. If he had an ephod, I'm sure he'd be wearing it. When we come to the community table, we're taking a moment out of our lives to remember that Jesus makes it all possible. It's God who spoke to the darknesses and let there be light. It's God who brought the light into the darkness of the world through Jesus Christ that we could find hope and salvation. And all we're going to do now is we're going to come, we're going to take a cracker, we're going to take the juice, and we're going to remember Jesus. And then what we're going to do is we're going to have a time of worship where we sing a couple of songs and we connect with him and his spirit. So that's what we do when we come together. We encounter his glory. Almighty God, um, we lay ourselves before you and we just say to you, we love you. We thank you for what you've done and bringing light into a dark world. We thank you that you shone light into our hearts and our darkness, that we would no longer be filled with darkness, but that we too would be filled with the light of Christ. God, as we face 2022, my prayer is that we would be radiating your light in greater ways. Now we pause and we give thanks for Jesus. We remember his body that was broken as a sacrifice. The perfect lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world. We thank you for his blood that was shed for our sins as an atonement for our sins to cover that which we have messed up in, but that no longer controls us. We have been set free by Jesus and his resurrection life. So Jesus, we come to your table today. That we would have an encounter with you. That our lives would be made different. That we'd be reminded of your love for us and our love for you. And in doing so, we exalt your name in our lives, in this church family, and in our community. We bless you. Amen. Amen.